Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Canadian Job Search Podcast. My name is John Ribeiro, your host. And today we've got a very special guest by the name of Fawn Germer. She is the author of Coming Back, How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need, which just went on sale in January of 2021. Germer is one of the nation's most popular leadership experts and global motivational speakers. She is a four-time Pulitzer Prize-nominated investigative journalist and is a best-selling author of nine books, including the Oprah pick, Hard One Wisdom. Fawn, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here with you. And, you know, I'm so honored that you are the second international guest that we've had on the podcast. I typically, you know, interview people from Canada, and it's so nice just to get a different perspective from those who are outside of the country, you know, doing the same thing, helping candidates get into the workforce. And I know in your specialty, your case, you're helping women and empowering women to get into the workforce, which I think is a very timely topic. Well, actually, yeah, this, book, this book is for men just as much as women. So my <laughs> clients are male and female, but I'll, I'll take them all. Yeah, excellent. And, and I'm so honored to, to have you here to, to help you to share some of the wisdom that you have with the audience. So fun. Let's just jump right into this. Um, you know, given where we are today with this pandemic and, and the, you know, the economic, I'm not going to call it an economic crisis, but it's, it's a little bit challenging out there for candidates that are looking for a career. What would you say is different about today's job market? Well, it's what we were talking about before we started. The competition, competition is so fierce. There are so many people who are looking. But what has changed is our access to people who are decision makers. And there are ways to enter in through the side door. So you just have to be more strategic and clever and, and risk making a fool of yourself because that's really the best way of breaking in. Yeah. So, so and that's good. And I want to dig into this topic just a little bit more. So getting into the side door, what, what does that look like? What would that... Because I know that's one of those things that people talk about and it's like, yes, you know, you need to get to a decision maker, you got to get in through the side door. But what does that actually look like? What would be one or two strategies that you would share with somebody to do that? Well, share that number that you just said, the 1000 number. Yeah, yeah. No, just before we got onto the podcast, I was telling Fawn that typically there are a thousand candidates for every job posting that's out there. And in some cases, it's even higher. You know, where it used to be two or 300, but today is a thousand and that's who you're competing against. So that is, that is insane in terms of, you know, how you have to compete to get into the, into a job market, into a, into a role today. Right. So if your odds are one in a thousand, maybe it's better to find another way to enter. Mm. And I, I tell people, yeah, when you're not doing anything, go ahead and do those online applications, but really diving into LinkedIn much deeper and using it more strategically is a far better use of your time. And years ago, when I started as a leadership speaker, I would go to lunches and I would see top executives at the table saying to each other, hey, who do you know who can? And that was when I saw how the world really worked. And it really comes down to who you know. So for those of you who are job hunting and hitting the wall and getting frustrated, I'm reminded of a time when I was starting my career as an author and failing. I couldn't sell my book. I had left my job as a newspaper editor and I, I was not going anywhere. It wasn't happening. Didn't know it was going to be a big bestseller, but that was perseverance. But at that time I was broke and I saw where the community college in the county where my parents lived 
was looking for a journalism professor. And I had every requirement. I had taught as a journalism professor for a dozen years to both undergraduate and graduate students. And like, like John had said, I had four Pulitzer Prize nominations. I was a great breaking news reporter. I knew this job was made for me. Seriously, if you think about it, who would be better to teach non, non young journalists than someone who had been teaching all along and doing it? And I never even got called for an interview. Now, what's significant here is I used to be a reporter and I knew the public records law in Florida very well. And I thought, well, who did they look at? So I submitted a public records request to see who they actually interviewed. And they interviewed one person. And his only experience was that he had been the host of a radio show on Saturdays in Des Moines, Iowa. Now I had written for the Washington Post and they picked this guy without even talking to me. And I thought, well, how can this be? And I had a friend who worked at the college and she said, oh, I'll ask around. And she says, yeah, he did some part-time work there for a number of years. They just posted it because they had to, it wasn't personal. <laughs> and I think there are so many people out there who are hitting the walls and thinking that it's personal. It's not personal, it's not, you being rejected. So you're in this mass and there are thousands of people applying and you have to find your way through that. Mm -hmm. and, and so it comes down really truly to who you know, who's gonna get you past all of those barriers. And so a deep dive into LinkedIn is, is a big help. I write about this extensively in my book and, and my book hits hard also on the hard to place categories of people who are middle-aged or people who've taken extended timeouts or long time unemployed. And what you do is you pick your, your dream companies, 10 companies you wanna work for, and just start adding people from those companies into your contacts and comment on what they post and do that for several weeks so they start to notice your name. And then at some point, send an in-mail message and comment further on something they posted. And then that's when the next time you say, hey, you know, I've been watching a lot of your stuff. I'm really interested in your company. Could we do a Zoom and coffee? And it's amazing how many people will say yes, mm -hmm. because people like to help other people, but they don't like to help desperate people. So if they've been seeing your name all along, they're a little familiar with who you are. And then you get on that Zoom and you make sure you're projecting the right image. You, I was just saying, I had a guy interview me a week ago and you could see his basket of dirty laundry in the background, literally. That's what he was projecting. So really think about what you're projecting on these calls to show that you're professional, you're dressed up, you're game to go, and then make that person your friend. Don't act intimidated by other people. I had an advantage on that because I was a reporter for so many years and we really didn't bow down to too many people. And pe when you relate to people as equals, even if they're not your equal, they know you respect them for their position, but you want to add them in your circle. And so you find things that you have in common as well. And it's a little harder on Zoom to say, hey, what kind of dog do you have? But if your dog barks, then, then you find, I, was, I always say it's important if you're going to network with me, you have to know that I am a passionate kayaker and that I love living in Florida 
I walk the beaches endlessly. I have a pit bull and two cats. I'm big into rescue. It's like these personal things that make me want to talk to you. And so that's what you do. You build a network of friends. And then the most important thing is when the time comes and there's a position you see, you write that person and say, hey, I need a personal favor. You use those exact words. I need a personal favor. Because then they have to be either helpful or do the uncomfortable thing and say no. And you say exactly what you want. You don't say, can you circulate my resume? Because that usually doesn't help much. That's too easy on them. You say, there's this job and you say what the job is. Can you personally connect me with this person and ask him to at least meet me on Zoom? Use your clout, call in the chit because that's what leads to success. Wow, there's so much great. Inf- I, I want to dig in here because there's so much great information. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, going in for the ask. And, and the one thing I know, especially with my audience, we have a lot of people from Southeast Asia. We have people from uh, cultures where that's not necessarily the most comfortable thing to do, right? Like, it's just not, it's not one of those things you do because you, depending on the organization that you worked for in the past, the hierarchy would dictate who you were allowed to speak to in terms of, you know, who, who in the organization based on your position, who you can talk to next. So what would be one or two things? I know we're going off topic and then we'll go back to our, our, our regular schedule program and ask you the questions I want to ask you. But what would be the one thing from a confidence perspective that you would give, you know, in, in terms of a tip to somebody to, to present that personality, that confidence a little bit more forward, even though they're not necessarily comfortable doing it? Well, it's this, you are just as good as anybody else on this earth. You deserve success as much as anybody else on this earth. And what you say to yourself is way more important than what you're saying to other people. Because if you're saying the right things to yourself and you believe that you are strong, confident and bold, you will be strong, confident and bold. And I, you know, I was thinking about your question with, with the Asian culture. I, I had the good fortune to do a speaking tour in China and Taiwan a number of years ago. And culturally, they are very, very different, but they're very warm people. And so just relate to people as human beings, understanding that you deserve your success. You don't have to cower to anyone. Sometimes you have to show people that you respect them. And I learned as a reporter, the one group of people you always had to use their title with was doctors. Doctors love hearing that word doctor. And so it was kind of an inside joke with myself because I'd say to myself, I'm going to call this person doctor, (laughs) right? And the other ones, okay, so governor, president, and mayor, you have to say governor, you know, they, they like hearing that. And I would, but I would in my heart just kind of be laughing at it because I have this belief, we are all human beings on this earth. And so if you make yourself confident in who you are and understand and believe you're as good as anybody else and as deserving, makes it a lot easier to talk to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Excellent. No, oh, and great point, I love that. It's, it's really around how you see yourself. And if you don't have that confidence before you get into that conversation, even as you're building out your network, you have to go in with, and, and one of the things I, I like to talk about is really going in with 
adding value back to that person. And, and then that's what I'm hearing yeah. from what you're saying, Fawn, is really around you're constantly adding value back and, and not going in, you know, not sending one email or two emails and then asking or, or saying, hey, can you, you know, I'm looking for a job, like not doing it that way, really building and taking that time to establish the rapport, to build that relationship. So when it does come time, like you said, to cash in your chits, it's going to be there for you. Those people are going to be responsive. People are going to assist and people are going to get ready to, to get you into the workforce the way you, yeah. they, the way you want to be in the workforce. Or you do oh. something else. There's something. I, okay. So here's one. Um, mm. And I'm not going to say who this involves, but it's somebody famous and I'm setting up a podcast now. And so this is for an interview request. And this it's, it's very similar to what happens when you're building in your network. So this is someone that I have met over a lot of years, okay? And so I want to get this person to feel like they want to help me quickly, even though they don't know me. So the headline of the, or the subject line is, I literally almost lost my job the last time I interviewed you. And then I get in the email and I say, the first time I interviewed you, I was a 17 year old reporter in Florida. The second time I was working for the world's biggest misogynistic boss hole who hated what I wrote, told me it made him want to vomit and demoted me from covering the legislature to covering positive Christmas stories because it was so offensive to him. Don't worry, it was all material for my second career as an author and speaker. And so you bet that got noticed, right? Mm -hmm. It's funny, it's relatable. This is somebody that every person living to this, listening to this, probably has heard this person and I heard an immediate response. So that's also something you can do if you need to speed up the process. You have to reach in and make it worth their while so it can be creative. And, and you can do that. And, 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 and notice I did use the word boss hole. That is not a swear word. Okay. I want, so I want people thinking that they should cuss in their letters. Although if the person cusses all the time, I guess you could do that. You know, but, but really think about what it's going to take to be a joy for them to communicate with you. And then they will communicate. Yeah. No, good points. And make it simple. And I, and I liked how you added the fact of add some humor into it, right? You know, we all think it's all business and we have to be all serious. But if you want to grab somebody's attention, remember, you're competing with a thousand other people for the same job. You have to stand out somehow, right? And I love that. You, you know, you, you made a really great point of, you know, you, using the word, I'm like, boss hole. Yeah, right. <laughs> I love it. It's That's a great, great. term. It, it's, it's kind of offensive, but not really offensive because it's not really it's, a word. You think right? it's supposed to be, but it's not. Yeah. No, and that's great. I didn't create that word, but, word, but boy, I use it all the time because everybody's happy. <laughs> So, so that's great. So I, I wanted to kind of dive in a little bit. And you, when I was reading through your profile, it mentioned that you said experience doesn't count anymore. Something else does. So what is that something else? Share with us. I'd love to hear it. And I'm sure our audience members would love to hear it as well. Right. So when you say the word experience, I want you to think of this sound. It's called the death of experience. It's insulting. It's frustrating. Everybody who hears this is going to be mad because you want others to respect you for what you've done. You've worked hard your whole career. They should acknowledge and respect it, but companies don't care anymore. What they want is to know that you're current and relevant. 
They don't care what you did in the past. They want to know what you're going to do in the future. So you really have to look at your skill set and be honest. You can't say I'm tech savvy if all your tech skills include, well, I can do Facebook and run my computer. You have to know what's happening in your industry. And that means you do the research and Google trends mm -hmm. in the, let's say you're in insurance, you Google trends in the insurance industry and artificial intelligence and the insurance industry and blockchain and the insurance industry. Look at all these technologies and see how it's changing your industry so that you have something to converse about to show that you know as much as somebody who is a fresh graduate. The problem so many people have, and particularly once they are over 40, they've got all of this experience. And because they've been there longer, they are getting salaries that are at the top of what the office is paying out. Mm -hmm. But a new hire from fresh from college will work for a half the cost or even a third and do three times as much. So you don't have to be a programmer, but you have to know what's coming and your role in that and how that's going to impact your job and your profession. And that means whether you are working or not right now, you're constantly taking these classes at places like edX.org and Coursera.org because those, they're called MOOCs, but those sites have free online learning taught to you from professors at Harvard and Yale and Stanford mm -hmm. and Oxford, all over the world. The world's greatest institutions are involved with this. So you're taking Harvard classes and it's for free and it's all online. And it doesn't matter whether you pass or fail. You just want the information and it gives you something to talk about. So the first one I ever did was a class on innovation through MIT. Now, don't I sound smart because I took a class in innovation at MIT? And as I did it, I was getting all in that old student mode. And it's been a long time since I was a student. The first test was coming up and I was looking at stuff and I was getting a little nervous. And then it hit me. It doesn't matter if I get an A on this thing or I flunk. It, it truly doesn't matter. I don't need the credit. I'm not doing this for credit. I'm auditing this class. I need the knowledge. And so go get the knowledge and then sprinkle your conversations with things that you've learned in these classes to show that you're current because relevance is so much more important than experience in this day and age. No, absolutely. And I love that, you know, it's, it's not a pass or fail. And, and actually what we've seen as well, education only has a shelf life of three to five years. And then beyond that, it's really around what you know. And, you know, if you're familiar with what's happening, blockchain is one of those words you keep hearing, it's in the news, it's everywhere, right? And if you don't understand even just like a percent or 2% of what blockchain is and what that means, especially for industries that you may be looking for work in, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Like you said, those new grads coming out, they're growing up with this. Like they know you know, they're, they're picking this up in their, in their, in their classes. They're picking this up in conversation. This is very normal for them. But and if I, you want to stay around, sorry, go ahead, Pun. Well, it's like, look, my, I've talked about blockchain a lot on interviews since my book coming back. I have to promote that, right? Since that came out and my brother heard it and he was watching with his wife and he's like, I didn't know what blockchain was. And here's why this is important. Blockchain totally 
confused me. I didn't understand it. I knew it was the science behind what drives cryptocurrency and supply chain. And I didn't understand what it was. So I started reading articles on it and I still didn't understand it. So I went to my old standby. When, when something completely befuddles me, what do we do as a society? We go to YouTube. So I looked at some YouTube videos. I still couldn't understand blockchain. And then I saw a YouTube video that said, how to teach blockchain to a five-year-old. And it was a four minute video. And then I got it. And like I said, you don't have to be a programmer. So sometimes if you start with that kind of a video and then ratchet it up a little so you get an understanding of the concept so you can see how it's going to impact your industry, you've done what you need to do. No, a great point. And I love that. I'm going to go look for that on YouTube. How to teach blockchain wow. to a five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, these are the things, right? And, and, and I think especially today, right? And what you're finding is organizations are downsizing, right-sizing, you know, they're looking at ways of becoming more efficient, especially in this world of pandemic, you know, reduce sales. So they're just trying to, you know, manage their teams so they get the work done, but they're also leveraging all this new technology. And somebody who is a veteran in their mid forties, maybe hasn't done the courses, hasn't done, you know, the education piece as much as they should have, you know, throughout their careers. And you, you definitely don't want to be left out because it's the one thing I hear is that there's a lot of ageism out there. You know, people don't want to hire me oh. because I'm older. And well, okay. And that's where the book started was I was going to do something on age discrimination because I started seeing people in their fifties who were super talented and well-known famous leaders getting pushed aside. And it, yeah. Okay. Age discrimination is rampant. It is absolutely rampant, and I could have written that book, but the more important thing was why is age discrimination so rampant now? And it's that people assume that if you're older, you're not relevant, right? <laughs> they assume that you haven't kept up, that you're pretending you know what you're doing technologically, and that you're a has-been. Well, you can fix that by getting caught up and making sure people, and, and okay, and this is so important you got to dress the part. You can't look like some frumpy old middle-aged sloppy belly over the belt guy and frumpy lady, right? I mean, it's like you can't fit into those old stereotypes of has-beens. You got to get your game on. And so mm -hmm. you all know people who are older, who are groovy as can be, right? Be one of those people and find a way to do that authentically. I'm, I'm learning. I I started hearing these people I interviewed for my book. I talked to CEOs and senior executives and all these workplace experts. And I talked to 300 people for it. And when they would go off the record, these people who are looking at job applicants started telling me about physical appearance of people Ooh. as they get beyond 40 and what mattered. And they would not let me identify them by age. And that was startling and upsetting so i thought especially i kept hearing that word frumpy from them and i went and i looked in the mirror and i thought well you're looking a little frumpy yourself right? <laughs> so i lost some weight worked out got a little tighter on that and then got some really cool clothes and and the other thing is if you're unemployed and you're looking and you need to up your game in your wardrobe do what I did. I started looking at designer items on eBay and 
I'm not saying the name of my secret designer because I, everything I have is this person, but I get outfits for $30 and they're, they're $500 outfits and they're new. They're just two years from two years, collections two years ago. So you got to up your game. You got to be the good looking, you know, and, and it, if, if you're overweight, that is always a strike. And please don't hit me for saying that because I have spent my life. I always say I'm great at losing weight because I'm even better at gaining it all back. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, that is my thing. So there is a weight bias. I understand that, but there also is a way to look good if you're overweight and you just have to make sure you're in that category. Yeah, no, great point. Yeah, and I love how you said that. You know, you're great at gaining it, but losing it, it ends up finding you. And I've actually switched the language around that and it's like i'm releasing it i'm not losing it anymore because psychologically your mind's going to start looking for it i'm just going to release it and if you release something it doesn't come back right so yeah. that's a great point great point see it i've got a, a five pound fat replica that i leave on my desk <laughs> it's so gross people let me tell you but i keep it there because i remember whether it's weight or anything else this thing is huge. You'd say that looks like 10 pounds. It's five pounds and that you can lose that in three weeks easily. And it's kind of like anything else. You just start and then you, you're halfway there. So, yeah. And, and I love, you know, and, and typically I don't go into these type of conversations only because it can be very controversial, but I think it's very fair, right? Um, you know, when it comes to your appearance, I, I think it's incredibly important to look professional. You have to look relevant. You have to look current, right? You can't be wearing a suit from 25 years ago and saying, yeah, I'm ready. And, you know, right. you've got one of these big fat ties from the seventies and it's like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Exactly. You got to have your you, game. Yeah. Cause you, you look like you're out of touch, right? Like if you don't understand, you know, the, I, I hear about TikTok, I know about TikTok, you know, just those little things. Right. And actually this is one of those things I learned from, from Gary Vanderchuk. Um, yeah. So just understanding what's out there, social media, like just learn, right. A lot of people don't even want to, you know, I talk to people who, you know, are in the forties and fifties and they're just, they're resistant to it. They, they, they automatically say, I don't know how to do that. So I'm not going to learn about it. Right. And, well, you know, yeah. And if you want, yeah. And if you want to be relevant in today's market, you know, you have to know these things, you have to be current. And it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, incredibly, like you said, you don't have to be incredibly, you don't have to know the depth of it, but you should understand it a little bit so you can speak to it. So we are getting close to the end, but I, I did want to ask you a question. And this is really around, and we've talked about a lot of different things. So it, it's, it's been fantastic. But the one thing I want to get in before we go is how do you stay resilient, right? Especially today, right? Like you, you keep getting all those no's, you know, from your perspective, Fawn, what would you recommend to people to stay resilient during this time? Well, I, I wanted to make sure that a big chunk of, of coming back looked at the what's happening inside of us to our identities and to our feelings as we go through this. And so as I talk to all of you, I want you to remember this. What's happening is not personal. This is happening to millions of people. This does not define who you are. If it has hit your self-esteem, I understand, but don't let it. This is a moment in time. Truly the odds of you eating out of a garbage pan and a pail and never getting hired again, probably are zero. So you just have to keep in the game. 
And what happens, especially in a moment like this, is that people start talking to other people who are having trouble, reading headlines of negative things, and they assume there's no opportunity. You can look at a statistic that say you're competing against a thousand people for every job and think there's no point in bothering. The people who lose are the ones who get frustrated, slow down and give up. The people who win are the people who just take the next step and the next and the next. And I have famously walked in my previous book, my last book, it was about life reset and I, I'm a big beach walker. And after my mom and dad died two months apart and I had a big breakup and then, you know, my, I bought this move-in ready house and it was a hole in the ground with my money and it was just the worst year of my life and I needed to do something and I started walking the beach and went seven to 13 miles a day. Well, I have bad feet and at mile seven, my feet start screaming and they scream, stop, stop. But I have learned that if I take the next step and the next and the next, even though it hurts, even though it's uncomfortable, I get where I need to go. And that's really the situation you're in is that it is painful. It is uncomfortable. You wanna give up and that's when you lose. Just take the next step and the next and the next and you'll get there. Well, great point, Farm. I, I love that. You know, just keep taking the next step because at some point you'll just get through it. And yeah, just take the next step. Something will, you know, like, I, and I think you mentioned it, you know, this will pass. Like you, you will get yeah. to where you need to get to as long as you keep trying. Right. And I love that. I love that. Absolutely. So as we, so as we wrap up, Don, if, if people want to get a hold of you, if people want to learn about you, if people want to get a copy of your book, where can they go? Okay, well, first remember my book is called Coming Back How to Win the Job You Want When You've Lost the Job You Need. Let's not forget that. Yeah, but, no, absolutely. But I have sent um, John some links that you can get uh, free downloads from me on how to recharge your career during COVID and taking the next step. And then also you can visit my website, which is fawngermer.com, and that's F A W N G E R M E R. Dot com. And you can find the book everywhere. So it's, it's a real moment for me because I know, and I have to tell you, I started this book years ago. And then as a professional speaker, like many of you, my, my career collapsed because of COVID because there are no events. There are no mm -hmm. big conventions. And then I have learned because my first book came out the day before 9-11 tour got canceled. And I learned there is opportunity in moments when everybody else is giving up. And I thought, well, I don't have a lot of speaking this year, but I have a book on how to get hired. And I, I got with my editor and I said, this needs a quick updating for COVID and we did it. And it's perfect timing for that. So it's doing very well. It's been fun to do this. Yeah. Thank you, Fawn. This interview has been fun. It's, it's just been great to, to go through and pick at your brain and just kind of extract all that wisdom and knowledge and experience that you've had from over the years. So thank you for, for sharing that with my audience. I'm going to make sure I include the links that you've provided me for those freebies. So for those listening, there are freebies. So make sure you take advantage of those and I'll make sure to include the link to your website as well, Fawn. So thank you again for being on the podcast and thank you for sharing all your wisdom with us. 
Well, thank you. And everybody don't give up just one more step and then the next and then the next. Excellent. Well, thank you everybody for listening in to this episode of the Canadian Job Search Podcast. Wishing you all a great one. Talk to you all soon. Take care.